yeah yeah other than that just uh keep on trucking <laughs> and with the tumbleweed still blowing through the office is it is it pretty deserted or were, yeah. was the uh, table table tennis a go-go no i did have a couple of games of table tennis uh. that bastard nandy i cannot beat him so i put a whooping on uh jimmy b he's easy easy, easy potatoes yeah. but nandy he he's a tricky one he's got a real uh, vicious flick backhand so um I'm going to probably pop in next week, if only just to give him a game on the table tennis. Talking Joe is on the air, and here are your hosts, Chief and Mark. Hey, 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 it's me, the Chieftain Tank, joined by you. Yeah, my name is Mark, it's nice. <laughs> you watched something over the weekend, you must have done. <laughs> I might have done. <laughs> Any good? Uh, yeah, it's fun in places. Uh, less uh, sort of, yeah, less so in some other places. Uh, but yeah, worth a watch if, if you're a fan of uh, okay. Sasha Bow and Karen and, and Bo. Uh, it, it's uh, yeah, worth worth a watch. There's some real sort of fist in mouth kind of chewing down at the awkwardness yes. of it at yes. times. Uh, but but yeah, good, good times. Good. Um, anything else you've been up to this week? Uh, I've been binge watching uh, the leftovers box sets, which okay. is. Uh, Damon Lindelof of uh, of Lost and Watchmen fame. Okay, um, I've never heard of this show, so tell me about it. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a less well known one, but very critically well received. It's uh, it's all about a world where uh, essentially, I think it's twenty percent of the population have sort of vanished up into the uh, into the air a little bit, like the snap in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, and the consequences of people living with that sort of rapturesque kind of uh, moment and it's Oh did that did that air on Sky Atlantic or something like that or it was just something normal like that. Sky yeah, or yeah, something yeah. I think it was some one, yeah in the UK I think it was something like Sky Atlantic yeah Okay yeah I think I might have heard of it then yeah but not not seen any but um yeah is that finished that's all wrapped up now is that's it That's wrapped up three complete seasons done and dusted but yeah I've got uh, I've got to continue watching season 3 to to cap it out but yeah okay. very very good very bleak but yeah, right. very well made, very well acted. Okay. Uh, lots of interesting ideas explored. Right. Very good, very good. I like I like series that or, or shows that kind of know what the end point is and get there rather than just padding Ex- out exactly. and doing filler. There's so much that that is good, but then it's successful and it's commissioned to keep on going, so and they're going, not really yeah. sure where they're going, and it just sort of meanders and kind and of loses. like Lost, I guess to agree. I never watched it, but from the people that did watch it, kind of said it went on at least two seasons too long. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some definite uh, high points to that, but at some points it just felt like it was just meandering and not really going anywhere. Yeah. Um, yep. A um, couple of things I want to point out. If you are, as of recording, today is Sunday. This won't air for a few days. But if you're in the UK, um, you won't be able to get the newspaper now. But if you go online to The Guardian, there's a little article there with um, our own former host, Ben, is uh, in, did, a, did a little interview with The Guardian about lockdown hobbies. And there's a picture of him and Phoenix's kid in the loft with the Skeletrix and the interviewer's kind of asking him, how he got into Skeletrix, what he's done through lockdown, how much money he's spent, etc., that kind of thing. But nice little interesting article. Good fun. Yeah, nice. Following up on the themes from last uh, from last week, we talked about the toy of the week, which was the Thunder Machine, and we also talked about uh, Impulse Buys. And immediately following the show, yep. uh, I went and bought a Thunder Machine on eBay. So, <laughs> ching, ching, there we go. Paid, paid a good price? Uh, yeah, I, I double checked with uh, S Jobs before I pulled the trigger right. just to see what what he thought of it, and he said, "Yeah, yeah sounds sounds good." So, has that uh, arrived? Uh, 
No, it's coming from Australia, so it's uh, okay. not arrived uh, as yet. But uh, All right. hopefully, good stuff. Too very Let us know long. on this show when it arrives. Um, we'll have a little chat about that. Good stuff. Um, I quick question. This is not a question to the listeners, or it could be if you want to respond. Is it is it okay to have had two Bailey's coffees by one thirty p.m.? <laughs> I've just had my second. The missus was like, "It's not Christmas. What are you doing drinking Bailey's uh, at lunchtime now?" For non-UK listeners, I don't know if you get this elsewhere. Bailey's is like an Irish coffee liqueur, like a twenty percent volume alcohol. Um, you have it over ice or in a coffee. You know, I'm sure there's other substitutes everywhere in the world. But is it okay to have had two by one thirty on a Sunday? Well, yeah, quite possibly. I think it. I think it's a kind of the the polite, well-to-do alcoholics' choice that you yes. know it's it's acceptable to, to yeah. have a little you, splash. You go for in a pub lunch. Coffee. Sometimes you might have a Bailey's coffee after it or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Two. I don't know. We might have another one after this. Three. Let's see how we go. <laughs> we'll see and how it goes. The other big news of the week is Chief is out of the action figure game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark is aware of this. I did have a brief conversation with him offline, but um, suffered burnout. So the same kind of thing that happened to me with Scalextric, where it was a six-week stint of purchasing boxes arriving um jubilation building track planning track not actually doing any racing but just doing that and i'm finding the same thing i'm now seven weeks into action figures i think i have about 76 inch in seven weeks i'm averaging 10 a week which you know budget wise work it out yourself that is not ideal when they're running at about 20 quid each but i've got about another 10 on pre-order that haven't even arrived yet but i I don't know, I had them all out on the table for a photo shoot, every single one. This is cross IP, so it's a mixture of Black Series, G.I. Geo Classifieds, Marvel Legends, there's a Predator, there's that Warhammer one, there's a few other little, you know, there's a Ghostbusters thing in there as well, but all six inch. And had them all out, and I just looked at it, and I felt a bit disgusted with myself in terms of what am I doing? Why have I got all this, all this plastic stuff that I don't really need and the revelation was I have been a fan of G.I. Joe and Star Wars for you know 35-40 years and in the last seven I've not collected action figures since I was a kid in the last seven weeks of getting action figures from these two IPs has my love of those two franchises grown even more the answer is absolutely not so they have done nothing to increase my love of those franchises if anything they've decreased my love of those franchises in some degree just because the the action figure and this is this is me personally i've got um, this is not meant to offend anyone who is big into the action figure scene but for me personally it's i don't know it's just the, the scene feels weird going on all these facebook groups now there's obviously good ones talking joe's a good one gi joe bug's a good one there's some other sales ones that are good but i I got involved in like at least maybe 10 uh, facebook groups of people that are buying and selling action figures and it's a bit of an ugly scene there's a lot of bitchiness and sniping and and smart remarks and things like that and scalping and just people trying to look out for number one and kind of just the scene's not for me and i wish like i was chatting to ben because he also got deep into the scene at the same time as me i kind of egged him on and he on the same weekend last weekend we both came to the same realization at the same time that it's not for us and he ducked out as well now he didn't go as mental as me i think he's got about 27 black series he bought in seven weeks Mm. but you know that's still four a week um and he says he wish he could go back to buying you know maybe four figures a year something like that or Mm -hmm. six figures a year one every two months just be a normal regular 
purchaser of of memorabilia associated with a franchise you love rather than i hate this pre-order thing where you know i got i got into that fomo thing where figures were coming out and if you didn't pre-order them then you weren't going to get them because there weren't going to be any coming to retail and i hate all that pre-order nonsense and it just for me turned a bit ugly but i've talked a lot there can you relate to any of that at all or not well a a little bit of that i can see i see it's it's very easy in this social media you know age to get you know be joining up all of the groups here there and everywhere there's so much stuff to to be delving into Uh, and you know having those you know all of those voices and all of that kind of you know different levels of energies are are coming from from those those groups it can be you know easy to get sucked in and have some maybe some of the negative aspects of that sort of permeate um but you know i've I've sort of uh, i've group you know joined up a few of these various groups and 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 so on so you know i see you know a constant stream of you know people buying and selling and talking about the newest releases like, like i mentioned it's not to say that all the groups are like that because i have joined some sell buying and selling trading groups that are good kind of communities you know people look out for each other people aren't trying to rip people off so i'm not that's not blanket what i was saying but there was a few that i did come across and it's just a bit sour it just sours you a little bit doesn't it and also but it's also because there's so much of that content it it, you know without it you you know you might be getting a couple of figures here here there you know but but when it's sort of being you know pushed in your face via the the updates and everything it means that you're you're thinking about it you know almost constantly whereas otherwise you'd be you know you wouldn't really would it no, exactly it sort of exactly like you prompt. said it's a lot of it is the actual you know the manufacturers the, the the hasbro and all those guys who are um pumping out wave after wave of figures especially across the mm. black series and the marvel legends there's no respite it's like yeah. once one's landed another one's out and you know i i got sucked into the thing where okay cool i want a you know i want a mandalorian uh, stormtrooper and they retailed at 19.99. I was in Forbidden Planet. I bought one, and then I thought, oh, it'd be nice to have two. You know, one flanking either side of Vader. So I got another one. And then you start hearing, oh, they're selling out everywhere. They're selling out everywhere. And so then I thought, oh, but buy another two just in case. So then I bought another two. Just in case. Um, what? You know, well, now they go for like they yeah. go for like 26 well, quid. Yeah. You know, it's a 20 pound retail figure that's been out for like two months, and it's selling for 26. And you know, if I had thought I'll get one of those, but I'll get one for Christmas, whatever, I might have to pay forty quid on eBay, and it's that whole back, you know, um, the second-hand uh, mm. market that is just has people in fear of. Oh, if I don't get it now, I'm going to have to pay over the yeah. odds on Evil Bay. And also, as, as people you know, know it's, call it. it's maybe twenty quid now, but if I bought one. And held on to it for a couple of months. Maybe it will be fifty quid or something like that. And yeah. and you know that's easy money or that's a good you know trade yeah. tra- you know something to to swap or, or whatever. And sort yeah. of pushing you into the mentality that, that and you know but buy more you know just just in case. Yeah, and I'm not you know scalpers are pro- it's a, it's a big debate whether scalpers are some say they're good for the you know the action figure market because it means more are being bought so then that keeps lines going but obviously it's bad in a way that one person buys 20 figures off the peg of cobra trooper and then is selling them for 50 bucks each you know that's bad because the real collectors are having to pay over the odds so it does it hurts the kind of the morale and the the enthusiasm of the industry of of the collector community so it's bad in that way but yeah um, i think when when it the 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 stock or the ability to buy that stock is is very limited 
and literally, you know, there'll be X amount va- available on a particular website at the minute of launch. And if yeah. if you've not got a bot buying it for you, or you're not particularly, you know, you're just not lucky to to be right on the mark and buy it in those few seconds when it is available, yeah. then that's your chance gone because the scalper scalp scalpers has uh, have gone in and swiped yeah. them all up i think that's, I mean, that's the the worst is that when when it just prevents the opportunity yeah, for the, exactly. the regular you know, buyer to, to get them at all there's a good guy i watch on um uh, dan Larson. i think his name is toy galaxy on youtube and his one of his slogans is leave one for the next collector you know um don't take everything off the peg there you go but yeah so chief is and, and the the end shot is I think I'm going to sell all my Marvel Legends, but I'll keep Doctor Doom because I want to kind of have a villain's gallery. I will probably sell all my G.I. Joe Classifieds. I will keep the Supreme Cobra Commander and Destro. I will likely sell the rest. Um, I may keep a Red Ninja, but if I do sell another one, uh, I'll come to you first, Mark. But the rest, uh, because I know you're looking for a second one. Well, a, f- a first one, depending on whether I... Oh, yeah, you've got one on pre-order, turns, though, still, haven't you? Yeah, 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 whether it yeah. turns up in, in the post eventually yeah. or not, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm probably going to sell the rest. Um, I it, it's diff- I, I think this is where it's difficult because I am a comic-first kind of guy for G.I. Joe, and I find, even though these figures are good, there's a lot of problems with them in terms of looseness, but they are good figures... But they don't, like I said earlier, they don't improve my love of G.I. Joe at all. And I think I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I I don't need them. So if I don't need them, then I might as well just Mm -hmm. sell them to a collector who wants them, who can't get hold of them. I get a bit of money back. And with the Star Wars ones, man, they look so good on the shelf. I can't, I don't know if I can bring myself (laughs) to sell any of the Star Wars ones. But but there we go. But yeah, so that is... um, uh, Chief's catch-up for this week. There is one extra catch-up, and even though no one has requested it except one person, I think it might have been Jay. Uh, we have got to go inside Chief's mind. Ooh. It's dark. It's cold. Can you be brave? Can you be bold? Sit to get on you. Don't know what you'll find. Digging in deep into Chief's mind. Inside Chief's mind. Are you trapped or can you escape? Recording all your thoughts like a videotape. Inside Chief's mind. I said inside Chief's mind. Feel like we've been there already. As we said previously on this show, all those episodes, feel like we've already been there. Well, but, yeah, um, you know, time, time for a rant after that. <laughs> yeah, after that casual, relaxing chat. Um, listen, one of my favourite people... No. Um, one of my favourite things or in the chocolate bar world is a Cadbury's Curly Whirly. Now, we'll post images up if you outside the UK are not familiar with the Curly Whirly. It is a kind of spaghetti-ish caramel bar wrapped in chocolate. It's kind of, well, it kind of looks like um, vines growing up uh, uh, the side of a wall kind mm-hmm. of thing, doesn't it, I guess? Yeah, up, a, up a trellis, yeah. Yeah, like a trellis, yeah, yeah, in a kind of rectangular shape. Uh, love a curly whirly. Bought some curly whirlies to help decorate my kid's cake that she made the other day. Not her birthday, she just wanted to make a cake. So I bought a curly whirly, I thought that'd be good. And fancied one just before coming on this pod. Really, I love a chewy curly whirly. Great. Bloody missus put them in the fridge. Man alive, I take that curly whirly out the fridge. It is rock solid. It is like eating uh, like a real hard butterscotch candy. It's like... No good to me. I wanted that chewiness from the mm. curly whirly, and it's just brittle and snapping off as I put it in my mouth. 
card, yeah. Terrible. That, 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 that bar must be like the dentist's best friend, just ripping out yeah. so many fillings and, yeah. and things. It's, uh, yeah, it's got a, a tackiness to it that, yeah. that is, you know, all over your teeth. Yeah, there you go. Mrs. Do not put curly whirlies in the fridge. But Well, maybe she likes them, you know, frigified, and she put them in for herself. So there you go. Um, anyway, that's a, a lot of catching up there. So that's we better the, the big subjects covered there. Yeah, we've got a couple of big subjects. We better head into the comics. It's time for comic talk. Comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them chief and Mark discuss them. Whoa, comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them chief and Mark discuss them. Whoa. Okay, this week we are covering. 242 and 243 if I'm not mistaken of a raw and let me just get the issues to hand favorite cover so any of these covers stick out to you what was your favorite so I went for my favorite uh, as being 243 which has got a roadblock in the doorway uh, sort of silhouetted uh, from light coming from behind and uh, around the doorway is sort of like bullet holes, which also have uh, light shining through them. So it's like literally no detail to to the um, body of, of uh, or facial features or anything like that. It is, you know, pure uh, black and just, yeah, quite uh, an iconic yep. kind of uh, shape there. And what I noticed for both 242 and 243 yep. is that, pretty much neither of these issues uh the covers by uh gallant have anything to do with the interiors yeah which is when a- you mentioned it then wrote because for, for some reason because rock and roll's in this issue and i didn't pay much attention to the cover i was like ah oh, rock and roll silhouetted because he's in the issue but now when you said roadblock i've gone back oh of course it's roadblock because he's got the marduce and then i was like yeah but he's not in it is he no and, okay. and you know mindbender versus zartan isn't on uh the cover to 242 either so I'm imagining this is one of those situations where they've been up against a deadline. S.L. Gallant has had no idea what was actually in the book at the time of uh, the cover being needed to be produced and has just tried to go for some uh, interesting, uh, yeah, interesting yeah. covers. I think I'm going to go for the John Royal one for 243 with Spirit and uh, Lady J under siege on the cover. Yeah, they are sort of uh, battling up against these uh, sort of flying cobra drones around yeah we haven't really uh, seen those before um, have we i'm you know they, they they haven't been depicted in the comic before have they no i imagine that's uh just yeah scooped out of uh john ryle's uh brain brain, <laughs> brain matter but uh yeah 242 by royal uh is nice as as well that's got i was just looking at yeah. a larger larger image of that um on the screen and that's got scarlet up against uh two sort of eels in the in the foreground and a sort of a, a fun kind of yeah. sea battle base thing happening uh, in the you know behind her with a with a shark and whatnot. Yep, yeah, yep. good stuff, good stuff. I've just realised we didn't do action figure fiasco. We kind of did it though, didn't we? <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Let's, skip get... Let's skip it. Let's skip this it. Skip it. Okay. 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 So we better have a bit of a recap as last time on a real American hero. In Springfield, Granny Demon, Storm Shadow, Zartan, the new Snake Eyes, the Collins family and Senator Ling Torres are able to escape the clutches of Cobra Commander and his marauding forces with the help of double-dealing dreadnoughts and a possessed Dawn Moreno who carries the dark memories and deadly skills of the original Snake Eyes inside her brain. Meanwhile, Dr. Venom has similarly possessed Dr. Mindbender's body, making his own sneaky exit from the besieged community centre and revealing himself to a shocked Cobra Commander. 
And in Darklonia, the Joes suffer a tragic death in the family as the battle-injured sneak peek succumbs to the horrific damage inflicted on his body. Oh, it got a bit dark at the end there. Mm. Um, <laughs> right, a lot of stuff going... Well, I was going to say a lot of stuff going on, but it's kind of two main threads or stories running through here one wrapping up and then one progressing through at least an issue and a half so uh, let's uh, have a bit of a breakdown plot breakdown so at an auto repair shop in springfield zartan and the dreadnoughts the ninjas and the colin family arrived after escaping in the thunder machine the collins are being ferried out of springfield by zartan and the dreadnoughts senator wendy lung torres wakes up somewhat confused zartan will arrange for her to get back to washington but warning her to be discreet about her memory lapse. On the ninja side, Sean has lost his mask, as well as his secret identity by the looks of things, so has a new bandana-style mask, for the short term at any rate. Dawn is back in charge with no memory of what Snake Eyes has done while he was dominant, and Granny wants to get back to training Dawn. But the ninjas don't need Zartan's help to disappear. They are all ninjas, after all. And at the Springfield Community Centre, Dr. Venom establishes his identity by whispering a secret into Baroness's ear that only he would know. Zartan's deception unravels as Destro sees that the dead Snake Eyes has multiple bullet strikes to his face but no bullet holes in the mask. And he notices a very suspicious looking exterminator van that has hologram accessories. Yep, that's all going down there. And the other part is that halfway around the world above Trucio Abysmia, um, there's an American ambassador and his two security team members. They're under attack in a compound of a local businessman. And a team of Joes is on the way back from a rough op. They're called in to support because they're the closest special ops team. This team consists of Leatherneck, Rock and Roll, Airborne and Long Range, and they do a halo drop into the compound. Leatherneck does snag on a gust of wind and drifts down to a roof 100 yards away, blowing the team's stealthy insertion. All of the militia in the country are on the way to the attack, where the extraction chopper is half half an hour away. The Joes get the defences ready and secure shooting positions, and as they come under attack, the Sea King chopper is shot down and the Joes fall back to Plan B once they figure out what Plan B is. And as we start up the next issue, all is quiet with no activity from the compound for an hour. The militias converge on the compound as we discover what plan B was. It was to booby trap the dead bodies of their fallen comrades with grenades. While the militia are in the ground, they attack the Joes, but the Joes sneak out via the basement through the sewers and borrow two trucks to get to another extraction point at the desalinization plant. And as the trucks run into a roadblock, a fire flo- There he is, he's on the cover and also there he's blocking the road. As the, <laughs> as the trucks run into a roadblock and firefight ensues, wiping out the driver and the two bodyguards are hit. Ambassador McCrory takes Leatherneck's hat and his sidearm while he is surrounded by militia. He shoots down to the ground where there's petrol that has leaked onto the ground, causing a huge explosion. The ambassador's sacrifice buys the team time to escape to the extraction point. They conclude, Semper Fi, Devil Dog. So let's uh, take these kind of two plots one by one. Um, The first one, wrapping up, kind of wrapping up some Dawn stuff, but obviously we're going to get even more Dawn stuff in the future. But anything jump out at you in terms of, you know, a lot of cast members Larry's having to deal with here. Talking points. Well, yeah, and he's sort of juggling the initially all of those... uh, you know that crew that had escaped in the in the garage and trying to sort of wrap up what's happened to them and where they're gonna go go next before then moving on to that little cobra uh, team of characters to kind yep. of uh, resolve that venom situation really 
Um, yeah, Venom sort of he whispers into to Baroness's uh, ear to kind of tell her something that only he he would know, and that's kind of a an echo of of similar sequences before with the Baroness, where for example, um, uh, she she's been the one that's been able to to help Fred when when he took her aside and yep. and showed her face all yeah. the way back in the back in the day. Now, do you have you how far have you read up to at this point in time? Uh, I think I have. Uh, back in the day, I think yes. I, I did read some of the very first Dawn issues, but have close to no memory of them. Um, okay, and then I haven't read ahead. Uh, All right, so this is this is new yeah. to you as well. Do you have you got any inkling about what he might have whispered to Baroness? Or <sighs> no clue. I don't. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even guess that that Larry would have. No, a clue. and chances are, <laughs> I'm giving it fifty fifty that Larry forgets about this and doesn't bring it up again. Yeah, I would imagine it's yeah. one of those okay. things that never gets uh, brought up. Yeah. up again. So that was example, that was one of the. When... I had two things on the pad to talk about this kind of sequence here. Uh, that was one of them. The other one is. There's a bit where um, they discover, the Cobras discover the body. Where is it? Is it a few pages on? A few pages okay. on, and a Tele Viper says, we removed the mask from Snake Eye's body. Mm-hmm. You should take a look at this. Yeah. Destro's like, multiple bullet strikes to the face. It's pulp, totally unrecognisable. Mm-hmm. Now, the Joes have used the mask of whichever, whoever that body is, whichever whichever that body is they've used the mask to extract their escape so he says it's been riddled with bullet holes to the face now clearly that wasn't done while the cobra trooper was wearing the mask so the joes have they've killed a cobra trooper they've unmasked him and they've unloaded um, loads of ammo into this dead man's face to make it pulp I, I don't think you necessarily have to make that leap because there was a there was a huge amount of uh, dead bodies sort of around the scene. So uh, I guess you could argue that that there's a body which has been the one that was riddled and and um, right, okay. dressed up as snake eyes, and there was a different one that was uh, that was um, you know there was already one as, as a that, yeah. the, the, the Joe's had already pulped someone's face with his mask on, and then chose a different. Uh, dead guy whose mask wasn't full of bullet holes to use for their escape. That seems that seems more reasonable and less okay. gory. <laughs> and less gory, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. That's all good. All good. Um, uh, any, in, anything else sticking out here in that little sequence as well? Uh, Venom says, "I see Zartan's hand in this," but um, actually, in the terms of the the comics, there wasn't any crossover between um, uh, Venom. Um, his appearances and and Zartan. So at least ah. in the pages of the comic, uh, they never met. However, can I no prize it? Yeah, I, I had two potential no prizes there okay. as well. But you go first. Go on. Well, yours will be one of this. Now, Venom has co-opted Mindbender's body. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Mindbender is fully aware of Zartan. So maybe there is some lingering memories of Zartan. Oh yeah, good one. Yeah. So what have you got? So I I had I my first one was that while Zartan and uh, Venom have never appeared on the same page before. Uh, Zartan was part of Cobra at the same time. Uh, okay. So, you know, because he, he, back in the day, was, you know, the assass- assassin, essentially, that, that um, killed the, the Hardmaster at the very infant days of Cobra. So just because they've not met on page doesn't mean that, that they haven't ever met at any point. 
And then my other thought was that potentially Venom has benefited from information being uploaded into the brainwave scanner post his death as well. And maybe he's absorbed some of those memories of the various people that have been scanned or, or when he came back uh, when when he went into uh, Billy's body as well. So, yeah. Um, that yeah, we can we can explain it away with one of those three different scenarios, I think. Yeah, they'll all cover it. They'll all cover it. But... I'm not sure I'm... They're not too concerned, the kind of Destro... The, the Destro, the Cobra High Command here, or what's kind of left of it, because it was Cobra Commander, really, with just Mindbender. Now Mindbender's gone, and Cobra Commander's almost left on his own. He's got Destro and, you know, Baroness and that crew who weren't involved but aren't part of his inner circle. He's now got Venom, who is clearly just come back and isn't in the fold yet so cobra commander's kind of on his own but none of them are really overly concerned about the goings-on of what's just happened which seems quite a monumental thing but i guess i don't know that's that's the way larry plays it a lot isn't it he doesn't have his characters overreact too much yeah and i guess sort cobra commander's never shown a huge amount of uh, kind of i guess loyalty or fondness to to any of his underlings really so uh, I can imagine him being a little bit cold-blooded about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is, you know, the, it's kind of dissipating away this arc because even Granny says, doesn't it, in the in it's time for me, Sean, Dawn, and Storm Shadow to be on our way as well. So everyone's departing. Wade Collins is going off with the Dreadnoughts to get a new life. Effectively, all the ninjas are dispersing, and it's kind of wrapping that up yeah. although in four issues to, or three issues time we're going to get a whole dawn arc to for herself so you only lose that ninja stuff for a few issues but that kind of wraps that stuff up obviously the more interesting stuff is happening with this recon team or this um this rescue team effectively mm-hmm. over in trucio yeah. abysmia yeah it's uh it's an interesting uh plot and you're sort of thrown in uh you know at the deep end of uh of uh, a brand new uh, story, and uh, yeah, sort of a, almost a, a special mission. There's no, there's no yeah. cobra, there's no cobra involvement in this one, is there? So it is, it is kind of hearkening back to some of those one and done kind of standalone cobra, uh, sorry, non cobra kind of special missions, and, yeah. and I guess a little bit of an echo back to that uh, other mission that they had not too long ago with uh, uh, also involved uh, long range in. Uh, um, wherever it was, <laughs> one benzene, of the Middle East. Was it, was it benzene? Benzene, benzene or Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. And and as kind of as standard, the Joes have gone in. The guy they're trying to exfil, extract, he's only got two guys left, so there's only seven seven heroes and the whole of this militia's after him, so it's the numbers are against them. Can they get out? Is the rescue going to be you know, on time and there. And like you said in the recap, the the chopper that comes in gets blown out of the sky, so they have to think of a new way out. And that's where they kind of try and escape via via the wheels or the practicals. And I'm I note noted Larry uses the word practical ten times. Uh, <laughs> Very when good. Ref- when referring to these, I'm assuming it means a practical vehicle, as in a jeep, a truck, or something. Yeah, I get, it must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he uses it four times in issue two four two, and he uses it six times in issue two four three. And 
and I think uh, they they use it in the the film that I watched uh, this this week. Okay. Uh, so so I think that Larry was very much in, influenced by uh, Thirteen Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, which was a tw- uh, twenty sixteen film directed by Michael Bay, based on uh, real life events. In the film, it follows six members of uh, the Annex security team who fought to defend the American diplomatic compound in Benghazi in Libya uh, after waves of attacks by militants on September the 11th 2012 so the film came out in what 2016 this right. issue came out 2017 yeah and a lot of parallels there in the in the story but also in the language used so they okay, refer to the ambassador as the ambo which yes. they also do in the uh, in the film, and I think in the film they also refer to these sort of vehicles quite a lot of, as you say, as pra- uh, practicals. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I would be very much surprised if uh, if Larry hadn't uh, seen this film or, or read the okay, book. Okay, that makes a form. bit more sense because one of my notes here is I can do with all I can do without all this military jargon. Um, <laughs> I don't want to read a GI Joe book for military jargon. Um, well, that's a bit contentious. Some people love the military job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and again, I'm just talking about me here. I'm just talking about me. And I know that sounds silly as well because Larry has used military jargon from day one. And I think it's more the level of it. So I'm happy with him using, you know, a few references per issue. That's fine. But these two issues just felt like every other panel he's using it. And again, that's not to say that it shouldn't have been used because maybe that makes the story feel more like you know what you were to that movie and that real scenes you were talking about maybe that gives it a bit more realism and stuff so i'm fine i'm all for that but just for me on a personal note it just felt like too much yeah and and i think you know larry has, has used this as an opportunity to tell quite a kind of realistic a realistic kind of special ops type mission that has got gi joe involved but could yeah. quite easily have been told about um you know any other special ops kind of team um you know making that kind of uh rescue you know if larry had been writing it for the call of duty kind of book or something along those lines instead of gi joe you know the the fact that it's so grounded in in real life kind of plausibility rather than uh rather than the fantastical elements of gi joe versus cobra you know it could quite easily be uh, sort of transposed to to sort of more you know, realistic military. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I like the team. I think this team's cool. Uh, Leatherneck always enjoy Leatherneck's appearances. <laughs> really? Why is that funny? <laughs> it's just Leatherneck's uh, degree of kind of uh, bumbling in in this this story. Sort of, you yeah. know, is is quite amusing, isn't it? <laughs> um, big fan of Airborne. As people who watch the toy box videos know, one of my faves, and really happy and pleased to see him in kind of a team leader role here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that we've seen him in that kind of environment before, but yeah, it's good to see. Yeah. I mean, so quick question for you. Um, if the question that we asked the listeners at the end that we'll go through was give us some kind of C-list characters that, that don't get much love or are unappreciated. And I was going to say Airborne, but would you say he was A-list or not? I would say on virtue of not much appearances that he's not A-list, but would he maybe be B? Yeah, he definitely couldn't be a just in terms of like the number of figures that he's he's had and the um, the amount of page time that he's he's had or, or even cartoon time. But okay. but yeah, I, you know from the fact that he's uh, one of one of those very early early releases, okay. you know, whether that what 
guess some, something like 1983 i would imagine right um you know so you know i'd say anything of that kind of era is is uh, a classic kind of figure and and sort of it's almost auto you know promoted okay. into the b list yeah. regardless of uh, how much time however you get. however here on talking joe we do open up to all avenues of content so maybe from a action figure point of view he could be b but from a comic character point of view he could well be c yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I mean, we'll get to that in the end of the show. Uh, we can carry on this debate. But, uh, yeah, I do like the team. Long Range has had quite a few appearances lately in his sniping role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's another another use to, to you know use him in that speciality. Um, you know, so that's a good sort of consistent approach to the character. Yep, yep. And, um, you know, it's, it's okay. I don't mind this particular um, story at all. It's, like you said, a bit of a special missions vibe feel to it. I, the ending was a bit too kind of, you know, uh, gung ho. Not the character gung ho, but kind of yeah, yeah. I'll sacrifice myself for the team. All that kind of nonsense, which I'm not really, not really my bag. But just felt a bit, you know, Hollywood movie-ish, which mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I guess maybe Michael Larry's Bay. drawing from. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it struck me as well as that the. the um, this again is is not a particularly successful mission for the Joes, really. No, that uh, they've 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 gone in. Uh, Leatherneck has almost blown it from the from the off. Uh, there, the person they went in to go and rescue the Ambo um, was uh, ended up dying, and uh, and his security detail, uh, you know, took uh, took fire as well. And uh, and they just about got away uh, with their own tails in intact. Well, and a and a blown up helicopter as well. Yeah. Um. So all in all, uh, not maybe uh, sort of a great uh, score for the Joes there uh, when they rank their own mission, um, which isn't I guess the the first time that we've we've seen that 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 you know almost you've almost got fifty fifty chance with the with the Joes that yeah. that something bad is going to happen with that that mission that they you know they don't come up uh, on top. Yeah, yeah. Were you, were you overall? Were you, did you like this one? Or yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a good change of pace to to see that sort of more realistic sort of special mission type um, yeah. adventure um, peppered in with all of the uh, all of the slightly uh, sillier ninja stuff. Yeah, it just felt to of. me a little bit like you know they're they're pretty much away. They're pretty much out of you know the the city limits and they're they're kind of getting to their destination and it felt 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 a little bit like they wasted a lot of time just kind of walking out there him grabbing the gun them stopping the the practical um that if they'd have all just got in the same vehicle and you know pedaled to the metal they probably could have all made it out alive i felt but yeah, that makes it for a much less um <laughs> kind of uh exciting slash morally challenging ending Right, good stuff. If we got the magnifying glass out, did you use it to spot anything interesting? I spy with my little eye. Yeah, a few things. So um, when uh, Sean had his face wrapped up, I had to go and Google what a furoshi... Let me start again. A furoshiki, uh, what that was. And that is a... Headscarf. It will. I thought that would be just like a sort of bandana type headstaff, but it's actually a a type of traditional Japanese wrapping cloth, traditionally used to transport clothes, gifts and other Ah, goods. Or to wrap bricks in. 
or wrap a brick right up in yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was uh, i noticed one thing actually was a, a typo there or a or a uh, in larry's script potentially which was that long range is accidentally called long shot by ah Airborne. yes yes good spot um, and I noticed that the ambassador was, uh, the Ambo, was a uh, recon marine, um, which was very much like the American ambassador to Sierra Gordo, uh, which is Ambassador Pierce Bryson, who was a marine oh. who died in issue 198. So I wonder if all of the uh, ambassadors in uh, Larry's universe uh, are ex-marines. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, stop! Hammer time! We've got a uh, another sucking chest wound. This oh, time I missed it's, that one. Where's that one? Uh, this is Emerson, the bodyguard in uh, two, four, three. Ah, right. Yes, 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 yes. So got he it. gets got a it. sucking chest wound, and uh, and they trying to trying to patch him up there in the uh, in the back of uh, the practical somewhere. Yeah. Sorry, trying to find the page. Um, and then what else have we got? Oh, I like this. Uh, I'm not. Uh, necessarily one for remembering Bible verses myself, but I had to look it up. The ambassador quotes John fifteen thirteen, and he uh, and that is, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So uh, the quote, the the verse he's quoting is, I guess, a uh, sort of a direct allusion to to what he's doing as yep. he's uh, laying buddies. down his own yep. life, protecting the Joes and his uh, and his security team. Yeah. Uh, and that was it Good out stuff. of my little spying eye well done <laughs> well done sir uh, nothing from the chief again with two issues uh, we've got less scripting but that doesn't mean that there can't be some gems to be found favourite line, line of dialogue. dialogue and I'm going to go first my favourite line of dialogue was from Wade Collins in 242, it's page 123, page 4 of 242. He's on the back of Buzzer's bike and he says, um, My hot wiring skills are still good, so transport should not be a prob. Uh, I just thought it was quite funny that, you know, he's, he's kept up to date with hot wiring stuff. All from probably his uh, cobra, his youth and his cobra indoctrination. And uh, don't worry, I'll steal a car. It's not a problem. Not not, <laughs> not thinking about what about that poor guy who owns the car? Yeah. Hmm. Well, anyway. I guess yeah. Criminal criminal sort of mind remains there in yeah, the background. Yeah. <laughs> See, I had two that I couldn't decide between. So um, you can have them both. Go on. Here we go. So towards the yeah the beginning of two four two, there's a little exchange between Destro and Venom, and Destro says, "That really is you in there, isn't it, Venom?" And Venom replies, "You bet your sweet bibbity, Destro." <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Uh, bibbity being uh, U.S. slang for butt. Another yeah. one to uh, add to the uh, colloquialism uh, bank there. Um, and then over over in the uh, on on the special mission side, um, we had uh, we had an, this exchange uh, from uh, long shot uh, long range. I think I've done it now. Yep, you have. Yes. Uh, he says Tango in the practical shining orders just got promoted to prim- primary target. Blam! Yep. He just got promoted to dead. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Very good, very good. There's one thing that we do need to do before we go to the Ojoage, and that is pick out our favourite character. Who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues. 
who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? The good guys are the Joes now show Counter-terrorist force but hush it's on the down low Pages of this book go have a look We're searching for guys or gals that have the hook the hookup being the best thing in the story Chomping up scenes front and center allegory And let's not forget about those cats named Cobra Sipping Don Perignon, are you sure they're sober? Brainwave Scanner is back, gonna be messing Big CC and Destro teach a lesson Talking valuable, can we talk the dreadnoughts Grape soda, chocolate donuts and then the jukebox Who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues Who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? Right, uh, anyone stand out for you here? Yes, I, I, I did choose someone, but I will hold on to it under my little hat for the okay. moment. Because well, don't, it will don't, give away... you, we can both have the same one, it doesn't matter, it will give I'm the next se- <laughs> It will give away the next section, so I want you to have a guess at who I'm going to talk about in toys. Okay, Airborne. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> okay, no, my MVP was Airborne. L- always loved that character from those the the thirty one to thirty three or whatever it was, uh, all fall down arc. Over that's in right. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Cabin spirit. I know you're a big fan of that that particular storyline. Yeah, yeah. Thirty one is quite possibly my favourite issue. Of right. The, yeah, you've the got run, some so. nice original art from that as well from Rod Wiggum, which uh, if we haven't posted up or you haven't posted up, you'll stick up on the Talking Joe stuff. I imagine. Yeah, why not? Uh, good stuff. A little bit of Airborne. In, you've got Airborne's in that, isn't he? In yeah, your yeah, it's art Airborne. It's, oh, yeah, on my on my art, yeah, it's a recreation of the, the key kind of elements of uh, issue 31. So yeah, it's got yeah. Airborne and the Spirit together sort yeah. of running. But here in this, I like the way he kind of, you know, he is, I don't know I don't know what his rank, I don't know what the rankings are of these four Joes that are on this mission, if he is the highest, but does a good job of taking charge, some nice panel action, so Airborne for me. And you're saying I need to guess who your MVP is because it will be the topic of discussion for the Toy Talk by the sounds of it. So let's go with Leatherneck. <laughs> I thought I'd given it away already. It was Airborne. <laughs> I was Airborne. All oh, right. Yeah. I just wasn't paying attention earlier, obviously. Okay. Or maybe I didn't hear you. Maybe not. I'll give you a benefit of the doubt. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Fine. Um, yeah. Airborne for both of us there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, but what that does right now, then, is that leads into Toy Talk. Mark talks about toys, ho ho. He talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Mark talks about toys. Mark talks about toys. Franklin E. Talltree. Yep. Who is grade E5 sergeant. Yeah, and, as he should be. Uh, as he should be. Taking, uh, taking the lead in this, in this mission. Um, he's obviously a, an airborne infantryman, which is handy for his uh, nickname. And uh, he has a Navajo, Navajo um, background. So uh, if you remember in issue 31, when he's teamed up with uh, Spirit, they say, here comes the cavalry. And uh, because they can't really say, here comes the Indians. Yep. Uh, so let's let's have a, a little bit of a blurb about airborne first uh, to reacquaint ourselves airborne's parents are oil rich navajos who in, uh, indulged their eldest son with skydiving lessons Tree also studied law and passed the arizona state bar exams he joined the army and opted for airborne training commenting i'd rather jump out of the airplanes than write legal briefs graduated top of class from airborne school 
Airborne jokes around and let, gets loose, but he's serious too. Dead serious. You can look at him and sometimes he's looking right through you. Must be the Indian in him. The Navajos call it the far-seeing look. Spooky. So <laughs> he's uh, he was 1983. Okay. Uh, carded as part of the second series. And it's a figure that you had in your toy box, wasn't it, Chief? Yeah, big fan of this guy. I must don't remember buying him um but would have had him early on love that gun he comes with um yeah really it's nice. like it's like a an m16 with a sort of a, with a bayonet on it yeah, a, yeah. a bayonet and a kind of thinner stock on the end yeah. of it and i tell you what i really like his helmet as well it's kind of it, it's a bit of a more of a, a thinner leaner helmet than we've hmm. seen on a lot of joes yeah the likes of like for example the hawk figure had a you know it has a kind of a bulky kind of um look to it so that yeah. when it's on the uh, when it's sitting on his head it looks a bit dorky whereas whereas yeah. this is yeah like you say a sort of thinner leaner and it sort of fits quite snugly on uh, on his head yeah yeah i really love the, uh, the the face is great i love the the deco the paint scheme here across the whole figure i like i love the roll neck underneath his jacket oh yeah good kind look. of tight to his neck it's a real kind of unique look it just looks it looks great uh, i love the backpack i love the knee pads um, just big, big fan of this figure and character. Both. Yeah, and he's got this sort of uh, sort of powder blue or something along those lines, yeah. kind of top to top to him. He's got little uh, paint application of, I guess, sergeant stripes on his on his arm, and he's got yeah. kind of on his waist. He's got, uh, I guess, that that kind of harness that you'd associate with uh, with having a, a you know a parachutist. Yeah. Did you have him, or have you got him? Uh, I don't have him anymore. I don't think that I had him in my collection when he first came out okay. either. I think one of my friends did, but um, I think he was missing from, from my collection. Peter will remember, but um, uh, yeah. So so I, I think I would have got him somewhere along the on the along the lines, but uh, but maybe not my. Yeah. my I habit. love I love the fact on this on the card art on the front. It says helicopter assault trooper. <laughs> yeah. Secondary yeah. speciality, lovely. Like, like you can only jump out of a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. If it's a plane, no thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, weirdly, he sort of came out at the the I think in the same year as uh, Ripcord as well. So you've got two uh, two kind of troopers there with with very similar yeah. um, specialities, and and I think that's probably to to some extent you know why. We've seen less of him in in the comics and um, various other you know media that that kind of particularly in the comics you know Ripcord had a very big um, sort of arc and and featured prominently um, you know if if there hadn't been the Ripcord figure maybe Airborne would have uh, sort of taken up some of the yeah. uh, some of the yeah. reins on some of yeah. those uh, those stories. Yeah, good, good, really big fan of this top top ten all time for me um, oh, from a, from a figure point of view. And again, I'm not. Oh, as as I don't want to keep harping on ninety six episodes in, but my figure knowledge, although has grown from being part of this podcast, and you know all my co hosts Ben aside, who I'm probably on the same level as in terms of knowledge of figures, but the other three, you and Diagnostic and S Jobs, have educated me, so I'm more familiar with more figures, but not the whole of the line. But this guy is still top ten all time for me. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. 
Very good. There Very we good. go. Round of applause for Airborne. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Well done, Tall Tree. <laughs> uh, more toys next week. And actually, I've just, you know, using the reference toys, I've just realised we didn't actually do an ask action figure fiasco this week, but we did talk enough about action figures, especially six-inch ones, for that to be enough of a fiasco. But well, don't worry, yeah. the action figure fiasco, the regular one, will return next week with two figures in the spotlight. I've already picked out which two it's going to be, so don't worry about that. You'll get your fix then. And if it always went right, then you could hardly call it a fiasco, could you? Yeah, correct. Yeah, it has something else to go wrong, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like not having it at all. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I tell you what we forgot to do. We forgot to yo-jo those comics, even though I talked about yo-joing at some point in that comic talk. So let's go do that now. Yo-joage for these two issues, which is kind of the conclusion of the um, the community building escape and the uh, Trucia Abysmia stuff. Yeah, and it's it's a bit weird, I guess, that, that that first element, it was clearly just a hangover, just wrapping up the previous story, and yeah. you've got something entirely distinct in the in the remaining issue and a, and a half. Um, so it's a bit of a weird one to, to rank. Um, so, so I'll rank mine mostly based on the main meat of the yep, story um, with the, with the Joes. Um, yeah, I think a nice uh, palette cleanser, you know, one and done mission with the, with the Joes. Um, nice to see some characters, you know, uh, sort of secondary characters getting uh, some, some airtime. Uh, yeah, good, fun, solid uh, action adventure. Uh, let's go seven. Seven from Funky Bunch. Chief uh, coming in hot take 5.5. Oof, uh, that's a I cold just, take. I just, I just don't envision that I'm ever <laughs> going to read that those issues again. Anyway, 5.5, um, you're losing read, me, Larry. Read them uh, in the month when you've forgotten them. <laughs> that's true, that's true. That's true. Um, I I used to say that I tried to do a full reread of ARA once, at least once every two years. Now that was kind of up to the Marvel run before IDW started publishing, and then since we're now up to what issue two seven five, I think is due out this month. Maybe if I said, "Oh, I'd like to try and do an ARA run every two years," I wonder how far I'd go up to. Wonder if I would still just stop at the marvel run or whether i how much of the idw run i would carry on into i don't know interesting mm, yeah um, I, I tell you what though chief i've been reading rereading the issues with um thomas and yes we're up to the cobra civil war yes and despite i guess it was only last year that we were doing the the reread along of those issues in uh in the talking joe yep. podcast and i was reading along as as you were doing them uh, you know, despite that, still really enjoying them. They, yeah, those are just that doesn't such, surprise me. It's such classic stories. Stuff. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. I think up to about for me up to maybe a hundred, one to a hundred, or maybe yeah. I, I, some people say twenty-one, you know, to whatever that seventy, late seventies, whatever. Uh, and some people say, oh, you know, maybe when Destro turns up, eleven up. But for me, I can go back to one. I can go one to a hundred. Would I would be happy as saying that's the classic run, but anyway, um, more toy talk next week. But right now, you're listening to Talking Joe, and now for something completely different. <laughs> the Star Wars Galaxy sure has a lot of playgrounds. Playgrounds. Jedi Knights, Evil Sith, Bounty Hunters, all doing the rounds. Doing the rounds. But there's a guy so cool. The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Now expand your mind and be a Star Wars historian. Historian. It's 10 Minute Manda. He's chasing a star. It's 10 Minute Manda. He loves Beskar. 
It's 10 Minute Mando in a galaxy far, far Yes, that's away. right. It's the final episode of 10 Minute Mando for season one of The Mandalorian. We'll be back next week with a hot take on season two, episode one. So let's uh, wait for that to find out what we think. But right now we need to close out season one. Like I say, we'll be having a chat of episodes seven and eight. Uh, we are underway. I started the clock already, so uh, where should we dig in? I think Words. I'm even not even going to give you a chance to dig in. I'm going to tell you that this is definitely a case of chuck episodes four, five, and six in the bin. You never need to watch them again. And watch one, two, three, seven, and eight, and there's your mini movie. Well, not a mini, but there's your an hour and a half movie. Um, no, probably more than that. Almost two hours, 30 movie of those five episodes. Fair and, enough. Uh, well, I suppose, uh, what's, the, what's the bird called? Cara Dune, is it? Yeah, that's yep. right. So actually, you do need to watch a little bit of one of those junk episodes to get her reference. But other than that, there's your movie. And 7 and 8 is the closing part. I definitely did not think 7 and 8 was as good as 1, 2, 3. Oh, interesting. Yourself? Or would you say it's all on a par? Uh, it, I guess 1, 2, 3 probably benefits from it being all new, all different uh, and, and fresh. Whereas yeah, 7 8 is a little bit more of the same. But... Uh, yeah, a lot of solid fun to be had. Uh, I sort of I was doing a bit of research, and some people saying that that uh, you know seven and eight are their favourite and the strongest episodes. And right. you know I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I think they are there. There's a whole lot going on there. A lot of fun. Yeah, I, I tell you what I did. Like any time you see biker scouts, that's always going to get a thumbs up. And I thought this scene where they've they've grabbed the the baby Yoda thing. Um, actually, some so who was telling me today? Ben was speculating that that actually is Yoda, a clone of Yoda. What well, could be? I mean, um, why not? Because you uh, know, I think they're going to try and tie in as much, not as much, but a, a lot of stuff to original trilogies they can. So anyway, that's that's for season two chat. But <laughs> what, when, what got when they scooped which? up that little yeah. baby Yoda thing, as I'll keep calling it, and they're sitting on their the speeder child. bikes having a chat. Really enjoyed that, but I think it went on a tiny bit too long. The comedy in it went on a tiny bit too long. Mm-hmm. However, I did enjoy those two guys just shooting the shit together. Yeah, well, I was, I was reading about that this this morning, and it was quite an interesting take. That they're saying that that scout trooper scene wasn't something that we've really seen before in live action Star Wars. That it's kind of very close to it being straight out comedy, but also uh, almost Tarantino esque of the yeah. storm shadow, uh, the storm tr- Ooh, shadows, stormtroopers just hanging out, uh, shooting the breeze, and you know just really toying with our expectations of what you know what is star wars and and what we should expect to 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 see there um you know very comedic we've got jason sudikis uh, voicing uh one of the troopers who's got a background uh of comedy acting uh he's uh, the hangover and stuff like that he's uh well known for uh and, and yeah just sort of discussing discussing moff gideon coming and wiping out dozens of their their co-workers yeah <laughs> well these guys they like to come in and lay down the law when they first yeah. come into town <laughs> you know it's uh it's uh yeah and it, it's an interesting scene and it maybe maybe is is quite a slow uh slow pace to it but it yeah it, i think it works it it probably you know, pushes uh, pushes the idea of Star Wars quite close to breaking yeah. point. But. I think another thing I kind of liked was they made me kind of care about the IG Eleven droid, mm, which yeah. was which was good. Um, you know, kind of having him do that one eighty from being this merciless killing machine from episodes one, two, and three, and then he's now a nursing droid 
for for these last two episodes was quite nice um yeah and uh, mando's attitude himself to to robots and uh, or yeah. droids and and in particular ig11 sort of also doing that that 180 of uh you know episode one or is it episode one or two he uh is blasted in the maybe in it's the two noggin uh by by mando and, and and here they've kind of got that moment of trust where where mando actually takes off his helmet uh and and it's ig11 is the only one who gets to see his face underneath yeah yeah um i thought that mando i mean i don't know how good this who is it the guy who plays oberon the actor that's right yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones. I, was, I was thinking i was thinking is he that good and i quite liked him no, i'm not a game of thrones fan but i quite liked him as oberon in game of thrones i thought he was good but here he's got a scene where he's been blasted out and they've dragged him back in and he's dying. He's like, leave me. I thought he was pretty poor there from an acting point of view. That that whole scene of Mando potentially dying was pretty ham-fisted. Um, and another thing, and I'm not here to, to slate it at all. I thought the show overall was, yeah, it was serviceable. It was a lot of fun in many places. I don't think it was um, amazing as some people say, but... Um, I don't know. It's anytime you see stormtroopers and biker scouts, there's always going to be that feeling of nostalgia and you know uh, a wave of like, oh, this is amazing. This is what it's all about. And they did that really well. And you know, when all these stormtroopers disembark from um, the little transport things and they they come popping out and you get these death troopers and stuff, it's you know, it gives you the feels, doesn't it? It gives you the feels. Mm. Full on, full on, and also leaning into the nostalgia. They've used the Imperial Troop Transporter. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, was, sorry, that's what yeah, 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 based on a toy made by Kenner that yeah. came out in 1978. But yeah, I had that. Yeah. Never, never actually appeared on screen until this point as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's really leaning into the you know the Star Wars lore. Yeah, yep. I really liked Moff Gideon's Tie Fighter. Yeah. Uh, cool. However, I'm not convinced by him as. Not, not necessarily as an actor, but just as the character. He mm. felt a little bit low rent, I thought. And he felt his his plan and tactics felt really shonky. He, as far as he knows, the Biker Scouts have got the Baby Yoda. They've got these three people trapped inside a building. He's got about 100 Stormtroopers. Why is he giving them till like day, day I'll give you till the sun rises to come out? Yeah, and then that, he just ends up going in with an incinerator trooper anyway. Why is he not afraid to just get all his troops in there or chuck grenades in or something? I just didn't understand it at all. Just giving them time to escape. Yeah, it, it, giving them till nightfall to consider surrender when clearly they didn't want to surrender. No, seemed to and he said, if you don't no come out, I'll come in and kill you anyway. So yeah. it just didn't but make sense. On the other hand, what made as just as little sense to, to me was the fact that he was standing out there in front of, yeah. uh, in front of them and and you know they had clear eye shot yeah. of him. Why not just take him out with a blaster at that point in yeah. time? Shop, Surely that bang, would send bang. a little bit of a message to the uh, to the him and his mob if he had actually you know just been shot. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I mean that aside, you know, I, for me that's quite a big plot hole, and because it forms such a big part of them, what happens them escaping and stuff. But mm. I like the escape bit through the lava. The droid, the astromech droid with the arms and legs, was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the scene from episode seven where they go to 
the saloon and Werner Herzog's there and again he's fantastic man as that whatever the client yeah whatever I don't know if he's named as a character is he I don't think he is named is he just the client I think but that whole scene the tension where they go in and they're supposed to be four but then a few more stormtroopers come in and you know he's about to open up the pram and uh, then he gets the call on the hollow the hollow cam thing Mm -hmm. and uh, the tension there was really good I thought that was a really good scene that yeah, very good. Uh, at genius casting, I think, get, getting in. Bernard yeah, he's Herzog. fantastic. He's yeah. just, has he done? Know, I know so him as a director, but I didn't know if he had many acting credits to his name. Um, I don't think too many off the top of my head. He, okay. he does quite a lot. He's done various things, um, narrating it and so on. Right. Um, you know, so he's got that very distinctive voice that he has used on documentaries and, and that, that kind of thing. But um, yeah. yeah, probably not anything nearly, you know, as... Uh, as well known in, in terms of front of the camera acting as as, yep. as here anyway, um, and sort of what was quite fun actually about the the stormtroopers sort of congregating and, and surrounding them was uh, that behind the scenes they needed all of those stormtroopers and they needed all of those uniforms, um, you know, a heck of a lot on on screen. So Dave Filoni set, uh, suggested that they get. Um, the uh, 501st uh, cosplayers uh, All right. fan costume group, group to come and participate. So a lot of those stormtroopers that you see on screen are actually, uh, yeah, fans in their in their um, you know their personal uh, stormtrooper uniforms. Is that the 501st? Is that a is that a worldwide group or is that is that? Yeah, I believe it's world a worldwide uh, sort of collective of right. stormtrooper um, fan costume yep. group. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we've seen some at comic conventions um, before. I'm sure. Yep. So yeah, that was that was good. That was good. Um, any any anything else? Any other research or little nuggets you spotted? Uh, well, I was, I was thinking about the overall theme of nature versus nurture. So yep. um, it sort of is echoed in a various few various things. So sort of against the sort of context of why of of the the child and some of the things he's exhibiting so he's i guess protecting mando you know while looking very cute but he's also showing that sort of slight dark side of of giving uh cara dune that 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 chokehold and in conjunction of why is it that that moff gideon wants that child is it that he wants a young child you know jedi with all of that force that he can then control and shape and yes. uh, you know, bring over to towards uh, the you know the the side of uh, I guess the you know the evil the side is what we say. But yeah, yeah. To, just to cut you off, the, the, he does say a line when he's speaking to the guys in the saloon. He says, "I need that creature for reasons that you'll never know or you'll never mm. understand." So he makes a big reference to not the specific reason he needs it, but that that it is almost a matter of life and death. So it will be interesting, like you say, to see where that goes. Yeah, so so with Yoda, might you know, the child might grow up in one of those two sort of light dark d- directions. Oh, Ooh, out of time. That's time, but you're in a bit of a flow, so I'm going to give you an extra twenty seconds. <laughs> we also had a sort of IG droid there as as you know as an assassin or nurse, you know, going in a different direction. It's not fixed. Yeah. Krull, um, also sort of redeeming from his, from his past actions, and and Mando as well, sort of. He's defined by uh, a creed rather than a race that's defined by by birth, and yes. also defining himself as the protector of the of the child rather yeah. than yeah. just a cold blooded um, bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, all, all valid, good, 
talking points to, to, to think about. Two things that I will just touch and I'll give myself 20 seconds to add. I almost done a 180 on the, on the stupid Yoda child thing, which, which at the beginning I was like, nah, get rid of this rubbish. But without him, there is nothing to... I mean, Mando's pretty one-dimensional character anyway, but if it's just him taking up bounties here and there then that is not a tv show that's just nothing yeah uh, it's what gives with the that show kid shape, it, it does you know and obviously that is completely copying from things like lone wolf and cub um and all that stuff but you know that's nothing wrong with that and that actually gives mando some kind of context and and moral base and just story arc as well so there's that so i'm, I'm actually up on the kid now and the second thing was just to quickly discuss i did mention me buying the mandalorian armorer figure uh, of course we do need to discuss that massive fight scene where, where she smashes down a load of stormtroopers <laughs> we, cool. i guess we have to yeah well we don't have to i've yeah. just done it but she uses the tools of her trade to put yeah, the yeah, yeah. put the whammy put the smash down on so down that, was, that was quite nice yeah, and yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about the dark saber making an appearance at the very end no. of uh, epi- of the second episode there as yep. as well, uh, yep. which obviously has got uh, this big mythology surrounding it that was built up in the Clone uh, Wars, some yeah. of the media, Animated. Clone Wars and and Rebels. So yep. yeah, very good, very good. Um, we will be still doing Mando Madness, so if it's not your thing, don't worry, just skip forward ten minutes every episode. But uh, we'll be covering season two, episode one next week on the show. And it's it's airing. Uh, I guess is it the day after this pod drops? Is yes, that right? yes. So it will. This pod will drop on the 29th of October, uh, and the episode drops on the 30th. Then we'll record probably the day after. So you'll actually. You'll have a week to have digested the episode before you get hit with the the real, uh, not the opinions, but the facts from Chief and Funky Bunch. (laughs) So uh, stay tuned for that. But we will close the show out in normal fashion by looking at the listener question and your responses. We asked you a question. You've been the listeners of the show. Oh, you must ask for it now. Okay, yeah, I like it. I like it. Abrupt, to the point. So last week we asked about... Your favourite unloved G.I. Joes and Cobras. So who are your C-listers, your D-listers that are less well-known, less loved, less airtime, less toy time, less comic time? Um, you know, there is a vast cast and uh, not, all, not all of us can love exactly the same ones to the same level. So uh, what did you have to say? Who are your C-listers and D-listers? Okay, so we did get a lot of responses. We've had great responses recently on all these questions across all forms of media, social media, but uh, there were quite a lot of characters listed here, and we've got uh, Ambush, Air Devil, Alpine, Annihilator, Banzai, Big Ben, Big Boa, Blackout, Bullhorn, Cesspool, Chuckles, Cobra Stinger Driver, Colonel Courage, Cropmaster, Crystal Ball, Cyber Viper, Darklon, DJ, Drop Zone, Dial Tone, Fast Draw, Flak Viper, Flash, Freefall, Gnorgahide, Gristle, Haywire, Heat Viper, Hit and Run, Ice Storm, Low Light, Mercer, Metalhead, Muskrat, Night Creeper, Outback, Pathfinder, Rampart, Raptor, Recoil, Red Star, Repeater, 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 Salvo, Scrap Iron, Shadow Tracker, Shockwave, Skullbuster, Sneak Peek, Spearhead, Star, Starduster, Stretcher, Thunder, Tomax, Toxo Viper, Tripwire, Undertow, Worms, Zaymot, Xandar. So there you go. And what was interesting about those responses was there was actually very little overlap on the on the choices. Okay. There was there was some you know people who got the most votes, but but actually most of those just had a single vote for for them uh, per piece. So interesting. Uh, yeah, a lot of different uh, 
tastes and and, and favourite uh, lesser known uh, GI Joes and Cobras. Okay. Uh, shall I there. shall I pick out some of these? Um, uh So interestingly, things like okay, Air Devil. Never heard of him. Had any ideas? So he was one of uh, oh, Sky Patrol, Sky Force, something like that. Okay. So it was kind of in that wave, I think. I think he's uh, sort of red and black. Yeah, meet, right. for sure meeting the definition of, of okay. uh, a lesser known yeah. uh, Cobra. But then we've got a couple, you know, I see Alpine in there. If you were a fan of Action Force, then he's definitely not a, you know, an underrated, underused character. But here, because he appears a lot in the Action Force comic, mm, but yeah. I guess maybe from a... G.I. Joe comic point of view he's not had many appearances and from a toy point of view I would have no idea how popular the toy was or you know how many appearances or versions of the toy there is but but that toy is great so uh, I'm going to disqualify that one <laughs> that's fair enough yeah great great toy well, I think he came out in a classic year with you know with a lot of great figures like yeah. uh, cesspool I think he's he's I don't think he's underrated I think he's rated um chuckles again i suppose chuckles from a comic point of view on the marvel run definitely underrated had a, had a lot of screen time or page time from the idw run plus the other idw continuity and, and also in in terms of the uh yeah hammer hammerverse you know with the in the idw world has had has subsequently seen quite a lot of yeah. coverage you know yeah. big character in gi to the movie as yeah. well so darklon yeah. i'm disqualifying darklon because he's everywhere uh dj i'll allow dj i'm gonna go for this one he is part of battle force 2000 yeah that's right yeah, yeah. he was he was like a, a second way uh, i think the only one that was released out of that that main initial wave of uh of battle force 2000 he just came out i think probably the following year okay just on his own yeah i i remember my scant memories of him I remember the figure actually looking pretty cool. <laughs> if you say so. Okay, no, I'm on my own. He's he a weird-looking figure. He's okay. got these sort of funky built-up boots. He's got, yeah, colours that, All you right. know, out of the wazoo. He's got sort of grey, blue. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right, well, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a worthy contender on the list then. Um, he's, yeah, he, he deserves to be on this list. <laughs> dial tone, are we allowing dial tone? Well, in terms of comic appearances, I think that's fair. Um in my own mental canon, I, I don't think he'd he'd rank in in the D lists, but um, you know may, maybe C list. Why not? Okay, all right. Uh, what else have we got here? Flash, can you have one of the original thirteen as a as an underrated C lister? Well, I thought about sort of striking this one out and not having on the list at all, but it's probably a fair comment in terms of in terms of the sort of coverage he's got. He's probably ha- is a figure that has been a little bit forgotten if you think about, you know that spotlight that he's had in the original marvel issues um not you know not a massive amount of page time um in you know in my own memories of him as a figure he he had uh, like solo origin story in the pages of battle action force uh which is uh, one that's yeah worth pe- uh, checking out lovely art from uh, vanyo on that one right um but yeah in in the world of the hammerverse yeah okay. it's not it's not all that much time to him so why not all right uh help me out freefall Sky Patrol, maybe? Freefall was, yeah, a little bit later. Sorry, was was the comment you said? Freefall. Yeah? Uh, help me out, I said. I don't I don't know who he is. Um, yeah, he was a little bit later on in the, in the line. I don't think he made the pages of the comic at all, but, yeah, okay. he's uh, another parachutist. So, right. uh, you know, along with Ripcord and uh, Airborne 
and even Crazy Legs got some uh, comic time. Yep. I think uh, it was just a little bit too saturated uh, a market. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, but but yeah, a good a good figure actually. Sort of um, despite being later on in the line, a very kind of realistic looking kind of um, browny green sort of camo okay. look to All him right. with some yeah some sort of. Uh, yeah, the all of the rigging on, from from the you know parachute gear on his yeah, on his outfit yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, a good figure. All right, Norga Hyde, um, good figure, good figure. I like that figure. Mm. Maybe maybe the person who voted for this, you know, wanted some page time in the comic or wanted just more love for that particular figure. I, I don't. I've got absolutely no idea whether this figure is loved or, or unappreciated. I don't know. Uh, pro- most certainly by some. I you know when in when I was playing with my toys. Um, he was a big favourite for me. Yeah. He had a, so much character to the um, to the to the figure. Yeah, um, a lot, and, load yeah, of accessories mass- as well. Co- yeah, and massively ripped boxes. as well. Sort of uh, big guns yeah. on him. Uh, Gristle, no idea, and Haywire, no idea. Help me out with them too. Uh, so Gristle is, uh, I think he's affiliated with the uh, Headman's forces in that sort of uh, drug elimination force um, little sub team right, group. Right. Yep. Um, uh, He's yeah, quite sort of funky looking. He's sort of black outfit with kind of bright, I think, like pink and yellow trimmings to him. And he's got um, a uh, he's got black sunglasses and sort of these weird kind of this hairstyle with a ponytail and the kind of bangs of hair that sort of run down past his his ears. Uh, and yeah, I commented on the Facebook group that he looks like a complete douche. But okay. uh, I guess in in every story you need uh, I needed yeah. <laughs> someone yeah. to be the douche. Haywire. Uh, Haywire, I have, I have, think I had to look that one up at the time. I've got a feeling that that one might be uh, have a sort of a bit of a look of a crazy scientist too. Okay, interesting. If I remember correctly. Uh, hit and run. No, I'm not having that. He's a classic figure, surely. Maybe more yeah. page time required, but um, figure he's wise, be, he's low be light. A lot of people's favourites. Low light, no chance. Chucking that one out. Uh, <laughs> everyone loves low light, and he's had yeah. you know good figures and good page time. Uh, what else we got Night Creeper chucking that one out a lot of page time there Outback can't have that Um, Pathfinder now is Pathfinder the one with the kind of weird um, garden strimming tools Uh, I'm I need to double check is that Pathfinder or is it the guy with the sort of goggles and the uh, let me let me let me let me me type this I'm moving on I'm moving on (laughs) Raptor everyone loves Raptor come on I'm not having that um repeater repeater is was repeater the one on the cover of number issue 82 uh i'm gonna say yes without knowing for sure if it's 82 it's that he's the sort of the 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 heavy machine gunner and the cobra the the vipers in the background yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah. that's repeater yeah maybe he needs some more more stuff going on um salvo i think that's the guy which one's salvo actually no i'm thinking of backblast the guy who holds like a four missile launcher thing who's yeah, salvo? yeah so same speciality he's got a bald head oh yes t-shirt. yeah he's got a black t-shirt with something written on it yeah the uh, might of the right right of might or something like yeah, that yeah okay yeah he's not a bad design scrap iron yeah we need more scrap iron definitely i'll go with that but probably loved from he's kind of you know i equate a lot of these guys as kind of the Boba Fett effect, where in the original trilogy, not in it much, but just obtains cult status. Now, I'm not mm. saying Scrap Iron's on the same level as Boba Fett, but, you know, he's kind of that that original-ish run of characters and figures and very little kind of page time, which will tie into one of my choices at the end, which will probably get discounted by myself 
for being a classic <laughs> okay, A-lister good. anyway. Um, all right, last couple here. Shadow Tracker, no idea. Uh, so he's sort of like got a bit of a sort of skeleton-looking mask with big uh, dreadlocks. The okay. figure itself came out um, in the more uh, recent kind of uh, run. Okay, so, um, all right. Not, not, a, not a classic, but, right. but a very, yeah, very good-looking figure. Yeah. Shockwave, interesting one. I know Shockwave is a fan, a big fan of S-Jubs. I know Chris loves him. I know friend of the show Smudger loves him, but... You know, it sounds like everyone loves Shockwave, but uh, could we call him a C-list character in terms of comic appearances? We probably could. Yeah, yeah. I think he's certainly not an unloved character, but in terms of page appearance, yeah, it has been a little bit scant. Yeah. So now that I think about the question, the question is, and we didn't mean it to be ambiguous, but it's very easy to everything's subjective, isn't it? So yeah. it's it's what's one man's underrated is another man's overrated, but. Um, so they're probably all valid choices, to be honest, but um, my say is final, obviously. Uh, <laughs> um, Spearhead, that's the chump with that uh, with the with the Manx cat, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Yep. Get rid of it. Yeah, he's rubbish. He's, he's not underrated. <laughs> he's, he's, he's overrated. He's another figure that's got uh, uh, massive helmet. Hel- helmet. Yeah, 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 helmet issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stretcher, he looked quite cool, Stretcher. He was like a lifeline replacement, wasn't he? He looked quite that's cool. That's right, yeah. Let's, let's see more the of gift. him. Yep. Uh, Tomax and Zaymot, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. Um, they're big, 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 big players, man. Um, yeah. Tripwire, not having that. Uh, Worms, Worms is what the driver of the maggot. That's right. Yeah, look, cool design. Looked pretty cool. I'd like to see yeah, more there. Really good design. Yeah. And Xandar, yeah, we'll have Xandar because uh, he did not get fleshed out enough. Always love the dreadnoughts. Get get him back in the mix. Um, I had Very, Wild Weasel yeah. written down, but I realised that even though Wild Weasel has had not that much page time. What he does is incredible, and he is a great design. And uh, you know, he's probably not C list; he's probably B list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then from a from a Joe point of view, I struggled here because again, I'm coming from the the comic bent, and I'm thinking about those early ones. You know, we discussed earlier. Maybe Airborne. Maybe you could slip Airborne in there as a C lister. Yeah. Why um, not? Okay. I, I'm not going to say Mutt because Mutt has enough appearances. I think, especially in those early issues. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what about what about yourself? And I know you wanted to touch on a few of the, you know, someone in particular, their list. Uh, yeah, so so my picks were would probably vary on the ask depending on the day you are, you'd ask me. But I went for Salvo, so that that um, yep. I guess the guy with the massive missile launcher, the the bald head, the the, uh, the brown t shirt. Uh, yeah, I think just sort of a great look to him, and and sort of uh, occupied a lot of playtime back in my youth. And I think you might have crossed this guy out of the list. But, okay. uh, Cess- <laughs> Cesspool was okay. my Cobra choice. Uh, I think just uh, such a brilliant uh, design and, and look to look to him, and um, just sort of disappointed that that you know in terms of comic time and and actually the way he was interpreted as a character in the pages of the comics didn't really kind of align to to my interpretation of him being a very kind of serious uh, figure. Yeah. Um, and I'd call out. We actually got some good, uh, good answers from Chris Diagnosticati McLeod. Um, I think this is probably a, a question that very much lives in his uh, brain, and has <laughs> he spent a long time thinking about in, in in advance. So didn't need to take a lot of time to come up with an answer from him. So he said his B list would be Hit and Run Tele Viper. 
His C list would be Lightfoot and Hydro Viper, and his D list would be Countdown and Toxo Viper. Okay, yeah, someone else did mention Tox. Oh, Toxo Viper was on this list here. Maybe that was the one from Chris then. But yeah, yeah, like you say, uh, he, the man is well versed in the world of Joe. And, you know, if someone is going to be grading Joe's uh, on their list status, uh, I probably <laughs> would defer to Diagnostic 80 every time. But um, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, we're going to flip reverse it. And uh, next week, we're going to ask you who are the A-list, top-of-the-heap Joes that most people generally love, but you just can't stand. So uh, tell us your... You know, we don't want want to be too negative. It's a bit of fun. But tell us the Joes that everyone else seems to love, but you just do not like. (laughs) And actually, let's let's talk about the winners as well, because while there was very little overlap on the choice, there was a few few of those characters that did get multiple votes. Oh, yeah, give us the numbers. I love stats. So in uh, second place, we had Crocmaster with three votes. Yeah, he could do more page time, yeah. And on the Joe side, we had uh, Lowlight and Pathfinder in joint places. And I did double check that you were right. Pathfinder is the guy with the kind of uh, hedge trimmer. Yes. And uh, sort of yeah, waist-mounted uh, machine guns. Okay. Um, and uh, then the grand winner. Yep. Uh, Scrap Iron with four votes. Oh, okay. And Fast Draw with four votes. Right. Interesting. So, so scrap iron, yeah, a definite, you know, classic look. Really loved the, that that figure. I know a lot of people have got a lot of time time for him in the UK. In the again, in the pages of Battle Action Force, he had um, some uh, solo adventures where he had a bit more of a spotlight on him. But in terms of in terms of the comic itself, not a lot of time for him to just sort of get out and do you know do his own thing uh, right. with uh, some solo airtime. And uh, yeah, the Joe one bit of a surprise really fast draw yeah um, yeah wouldn't have wouldn't have picked that at all would not have guessed that but uh yeah he's got an in that that interesting design he's got a real sort of solidity about him if if that's uh, an expression that makes any sense he's you know got that chunkiness that makes him feel uh it's got a very satisfying aesthetic i guess when you're you know playing with him as a as a figure uh, and you know he's got that visor that flips up and down and uh uh, yeah, got a different, you know, quite a different look to him than a yeah. lot of the the figures. He does stand out. Very good, very good. Uh, I'm going to actually investigate some of those figures and Google them up and see, you know, if I want to add them to my list or if these people really have got it wrong that have uh, voted. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. We appreciate all the responses as always. You know, th- this part of the show or the show in general not just this part of the show but the show is nothing without the listeners and getting interaction from the listeners is just not that we need the validity but it you know just gives us a little warm buzz in the berries that people are listening people are interested in the show which is which is nice because we do the show for you guys so thank you for that you can catch us in all the usual places that's uh underscore joe it's talking underscore joe on twitter it's talking joe comics on instagram it's talking joe comics at gmail.com or it's talking joe a gi joe podcast on facebook good chat going on over there as always um but with all that said and done we will catch you down the road because we've been talking Joe. And we're all, and we're all out of Joe's. All out of Joe's. Laters. <laughs>